Welcome to the Growth Podcast, growing together through curious conversations. Today I am looking forward to getting curious with Pete Quinn. Pete is a consultant, mentor and trainer who specialises in equality, diversity and inclusion. Pete has held the positions of board member of Amoshi, which is the support service organisation. He was the director of student support at the University of York and in a similar role at the University of Oxford. And more recently, Pete has been working in Hong Kong to raise awareness of inclusion education, as well as working collaboratively with organisations to create equality, inclusion and wellbeing strategies. He has been working with the Tower of London around autism, inclusion and the Wellcome Trust, who fund global medical research, where he has been conducting an audit around neurodiversity. So Pete, it's an absolute pleasure to have you with us here today. Thanks very much for having me. It's nice to uh, be with you. So we're in a really unique and complex time right now, and people are being asked to work from home and to self-isolate. Of course, for many people, they're used to doing that. But I thought today might be a great opportunity for us to curiously inquire about what well-being practices might work for people whilst they find themselves in this situation. Yeah, that's great. And I've, uh, as well as obviously experiencing it personally in the last few days, um, I've uh, been in conversation for quite some time with uh, friends and colleagues in in both Hong Kong and um, over in China. Um, so I, it's uh, it's useful to be able to share some of their insights as well in this. Wow, that's really interesting. So what kind of things have people been saying from China about this sort of stuff? Well, they've been doing it for many weeks now. And I think some of the things that I've covered in my recent webinars has kind of been informed by the bit about routine, a bit about, um, you know, doing things to look after yourself as well as the work that you've got to do. Um, but a lot of the benefits that are coming out from over there are that time spent together as families. Um, things that, you know, they, they, there's a big family, um, focus in, in Hong Kong and all the teachers that I've worked with out there and, and, um, others have always spent time together, eating together, spending time as families, going hiking, those kind of things. And, and that's what a lot of, um, the Hong Kong folk are still doing and are able to do, obviously socially distanced appropriately, et cetera. But that kind of rejuvenating those family relationships, although we've seen some headlines about divorces in China, you know, as people have started to reemerge. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, that, that's the sensationalist side of it. In reality, there are many more family relationships that have been rekindled and uh, developed, which is really heartening to hear. So can I start by asking you, Pete, what does well-being mean to you? Well, I, it, being pedantic, it's, uh, for me, it means well hyphen being. And I think you'll understand what I mean by that. But I, I worry that well being as a term has become very gray and anodyne, you know, um, but well hyphen being as it relates to positive psychology, um, is a really key concept. And particularly in higher education, we're focusing on the terms which, which are, are somewhat unpopular as in resilience. Um, but resilience means bouncing back with knowledge. Uh, and awareness of of what's just happened and learning from it. Um, unfortunately, I think some people view resilience um, as you know, pull your socks up, take it on the chin, that kind of uh, of philosophy. Mm-hmm. But I think the key thing about well hyphen being or well being, as we'll continue to call it now without the hyphen, is um, that it's underpinned by a lot of evidence and a lot of research. And 
I do quite a bit of work, mainly voluntary with a lot of uh, men in, in the local area around mental health. I'm, I'm privileged to be part of an organization called Menfulness. And when we start to think about some of the practices that we can do to support our mental health and underpin our mental well-being, a lot of the evidence and the research comes from the U.S. Marine Corps and a lot of the U.S. Army who've done a huge amount of research in this area. So, you know, it's um, it's a it's a very uh, well evidenced basis, and there are a number of things that you can do to look after and kind of strengthen and and um, give yourself an, a good opportunity for good positive mental well-being. You know, there are protective factors that uh, come into play, things that you can do which actually promote positive mental health and positive well-being. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. So just picking up on what you're saying there then, Pete, these three different elements from the work that you've been doing, you talk about routine, making sure that we're looking after ourselves and ensuring that the time that we spend together um, as families is really important. So if we start maybe with just the routine section of that, uh, and pick up on that uh, for the detail, how might we be able to embed routine in our workplaces as we continue to work from home? Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's, it's really important to do because um, you you are in a routine anyway, work and, and, and lifetime-wise, and that shouldn't and, and uh, mustn't really change for us. Um, so one of the things that I've been covering recently when, when working with people in this area is that have a structured day. Routine is really important. But what people are going to miss out on in the in the coming weeks and months is that commute to work, that kind of morning routine where they get up, they get dressed and they go out um, and, you know, they, they get into transport or however they, they get to where they're due to get to. That isn't happening anymore. And I, I saw a friend this morning saying that he'd encountered um, unexpected congestion on his way to work this morning, i.e. he passed someone else on the stairs sort of thing. But, um, it, it's actually really important to have a fake commute. So, um, I, I, along with most of the country, it sounds like this morning with my son, I did, um, that PE exercise on YouTube, um, with Joe, I think his name is. Um, but if I wasn't doing that, I'd probably go for a short run or a quick walk around the block or just do something to break from setting off, um, and getting up and having breakfast and, and then going to work. Um, and, you know, getting dressed is part of that. I'm not saying that you need to, um, you know, be suited and booted for working at home, but I think, you know, it, it really is a key thing to, to instill these little habits, um, as part of your day. And if you start strong with those, you can get into a habit and, and it's supposed to take about 40 odd days to get into a habit. And sadly, we may have that opportunity to develop those habits over that lengthy, lengthy period of time. Um, so those kind of things are, are routines and then making sure that you have healthy breaks, you know, um, you know, you can only sustain uh, work for a certain amount of time. And if we're at home uh, rather than at the office and we're not being interrupted by conversations or going off and making cups of tea or, you know, going to meetings, etc., then um, we're going to get tired very quickly if we don't start to, to build those into our day. And then at the end of the day, uh, you know, I will change clothes. I'll do something to, to, to change my location through the day and doing different tasks that, I would definitely kind of get to a point where I switch things off, turn things down, and I'm at home, um, you know, physically and mentally, um, to make sure that I'm spending that time with the family and with the kids, even though they've been around a lot of the day, um, yeah. as will be my wife. Yeah, I really love those different elements. 
I think it is really important. I do work from home on a regular basis. Uh, so to create that routine of, you know, kind of being very conscious that you're actually going to work, making sure that you've got those different spaces. I'm very fortunate that I have got an office, but of course some people will be working from the kitchen table, also working with their families, etc. And again, making sure that you finish your working day um, and create a really clear distinction between when you're working and when you're not. One of the things that I often do is I'll set an alarm to ensure that I have a proper break. Um, I get so engrossed in my work that sometimes um, I could spend the whole day just sort of a desk. So one of the things I do is I'll set an alarm for every sort of uh, 30, 45 minutes uh, and, and just I have to physically get up from my desk to go and turn the alarm off, which means that I have to move. Uh, and I just find that that's a really beneficial way for me to make sure that I put those breaks in so that it serves my well-being around moving and getting up and creating that space for myself. That's a great idea. And and people can, you know, 45 works for you, um, probably about 40 works for me as well. Some people will have different lengths. So, you know, some people may want to do a full hour, um, but it's really important to, to have that movement and that kind of switching around um, to keep your, you know, to keep you active and to keep your, you alert and, and going because, Otherwise, you will tie yourself out because you don't have that commute. You don't have those um, interruptions in the day. You don't pop out for lunch. You don't do all those things that you tend to do if you're, if you're office-based or, or even if you work from home a couple of times a week. This is, is, is not normal to, to be doing this five days a week. Um, and if you're not careful, you'll work too hard for too long and you'll really start to tie yourself out. And the, and the underlying impact that that will have on your well-being will, will, will really come to bear. Yeah, I'm not always great at it, but one of the things that I have to make sure that I do to uh, keep my well-being high is to really put things away at the end of the day. I can sometimes find myself just nipping back down to the office and thinking, oh, I'll just send that email or you come up with an idea, I'll just go and sort that out. So I have to be really careful just to make sure that I really close my day off properly so that I can then mentally move out of working and move into family time yeah absolutely and, and lots of people will be crowded around kitchen tables or you know kind of taking up spaces around the house and you do you know i think it's good practice to to pop things in a, in the same place each time then you can find them obviously yeah. um but, but just doing that that is good practice too because then the house is yours again and, and it sounds kind of pedantic and it sounds a bit picky but actually it's really powerful in um in how it's going to go forward and of course, in terms of those breaks, we need to be really careful about how we spend our time during that break as well. I know that I am definitely uh, quite dreadful, really, for uh, popping up to the fridge probably too many times than I need to. So I'm curious to um, explore with you, Pete, what we can do to make sure that we don't move into those bad habits as well. Well, I've done quite a few pieces of um, health and well-being strategy with organizations recently and and some of them have been um, kind of small data tech type companies some have been whole organizations like durham university for example um and what's what's clear in most workplaces though are there some real physical health challenges which include exercise but healthy eating and a lot of both of those things at work are impacted by a lack of time to do so so people don't have I'm at work, they feel to exercise. And I'm not saying that they must go out and run or do gym stuff, but just some basic, you know, get your heart rate going, get, get moving a bit. And 
And in terms of eating as well, people feel very time poor or very restricted in leaving their desk and going and getting healthy food. So they go for the quick, often unhealthy option. We have a real opportunity to change that in the coming weeks. You know, so just introducing a bit of fruit, bit of the fiber day into your diet. You know, so rather than snacking on lots of crisps, maybe having some grapes or some apples or, or other things around and coming together and eating together is uh, really powerful very positive um and i certainly will be with my children getting them more involved in cooking and giving them some some skills and also meaning i don't have to do so much um but it's um it's a real opportunity on on many fronts for you know healthy eating and coming together and eating well so all my family were around today we all had lunch together and now we're all doing our separate bits again uh, this afternoon and, and i'm hoping that will be part of our routine yeah we've done a very similar thing today so obviously we're doing homeschooling i've got a 10 year old so we've basically set an agenda and um we've got four different activities to complete each day um having uh breaks in between but also exercising um together going outside we've got a dog so taking the dog for a walk uh, or doing the joe week's pe sessions etc um and again having lunch together but but creating and making that together as well has been really lovely. So you mentioned, Pete, uh, some really great ways to look after ourselves, but can you uh, share with us any other ideas you have that can help us to continue to do that? Um, I think it, literally getting some daylight, getting some natural light. Um, if you look at kind of what we've begun to understand more about workplaces and the artificial light in there really confuses our bodies. So even yeah. if we've not done a huge amount of work through the day we feel exhausted and it's because we've had this constant light levels on us um but going out and getting some fresh air and getting some daylight will be important access to green spaces so you know some of us will have gardens some of us won't but just getting a glimpse of a tree or getting a glimpse of something of nature you know we're probably only a few moments walk many of us from that but just doing that is is actually quite um, you know, there's evidence to show that that's a good thing. Um, my kids are growing some seeds. It's very basic, but you know, just, just that kind of interaction will also be helpful. And you don't have to be a kid to, to, you know, to get a basic packet of crest or something more advanced. You know, we've got carrots and a few bits on the go. Um, whether it works out or not doesn't matter. Um, but the, the act of doing it is the important thing. And I feel like this has been one of the really positive things that's happened as a result of uh, this virus and people's responses to it, I found lots of free stuff that people have been giving out, which is just amazing, like the Joe Wicks thing that we've talked about, uh, but also things like free meditation on Headspace. Uh, one of my neighbours is a Pilates teacher. She's been doing free Pilates sessions um, live on Facebook. Um, and then other things like uh, Oprah Winfrey and Deepak Chopra are doing a 21-day meditation so there is lots of free stuff out there that we can access to help maintain and build our well-being whilst we're in this complex and unique space of working from home. Absolutely. I've got, uh, as I said, I mentioned um, in this organisation called Menfulness, and one of the things that we do usually is on a Tuesday night, we do social circuits, which um, none of us are really kind of gym fiends or anything, but we we meet up, we do social um, circuit training um, it's more on the social than on the circuits obviously we can't do that at the moment because of the the pandemic um, but there is an online option to do that now so our um, 
fabulous uh, instructor Steve has been recording um, a number of sessions, not not in in the kind of global reach that that um, the guys having um, of a morning, but um, that's happening and that's turned into there's a few quizzes have gone on. Um, someone's doing baking and um, cookery uh, recipes. I I posted a picture last night because I. I actually got a dish to look exactly like it should from the recipe book, which is, you know, not always the case. But that got um, a few um, heads turning on on there. So they were all sending me their examples as well. So, you know, it's just having that that bit of fun doing things like that does make a lot of difference. But it was a healthy recipe that I was cooking um, simply because, um, you know, I could and it was dead easy um, and a very practical way of of making sure that we're, we're, uh, we're doing what we can to stay healthy. Yeah, we really have got an opportunity here to completely reframe how we work and what we do. We might be given that extra time. We haven't got that same commute, which gives us extra space in our day to maybe do those things that we want to do around being creative, uh, learning new skills. Uh, One of the things that we've done is we've just put on our um, coaching and mentoring online course uh, for people to be able to take part in. And we've reduced that cost right down to £100. Um, so if people want to take the opportunity of, of learning new skills, then that's something they can do as well. So you've mentioned this uh, importance around routine, making sure that we look after ourselves. Um, you know, you give a great example um, around that, that third element of spending time together with our families, that lovely example of having lunch with your family. You've also talked about the, uh, the levels of uh, increase in divorce in China. Um, and of course, we are going to be spending lots of time with our family. And for some of us, that can be a really daunting prospect. So what other things can we do to help in that space? Well, if you've got the routine going and you've got kind of you know time together and time apart, that's a really good start. I mean, I think if you're just spending a huge amount of intense time together, that's really going to be frustrating. Acknowledge that that's going to be frustrating. You know, be honest about it. We've, um, you know, me and my wife had a couple of conversations along those lines. Um, making sure that you get time apart and time together. But just sitting around doing nothing is not conducive to, um, you know, to, to good relations. So, uh, you know, the board games have been dusted off and have come out. Um, we're going to be watching. Uh, I've just got my daughter up to date with uh, World War Two in colour. Um, it's not the most happy activity necessarily, but we'll be doing a bit of that each evening sat together. You know, just things like that. Um bike rides, things that you can do socially distanced but are still possible. It, it gives you that opportunity. Yeah, I think coming and eating together in in, um, in Hong Kong in particular because people are, have, have got a culture there of family is important, but also they have um, a huge workaholic culture and it's not particularly uh, conducive to good well-being and mental health. And because they're having to do it at home and, the, you know, they don't have to do the commutes and they don't have to do some of the other things, I think there's a bit more of a relaxed uh, vibe in the house but the hiking bit which is the kind of main outdoor activity in Hong Kong is a real culture of going up into the hills and getting away from the city um, you know is, is, is being increasingly popular it's also a chance for kids to teach their parents if they want a bit of gaming culture um, share with them some of that stuff you know and, and vice versa so there's, there's lots of opportunities to um, you know to share but just making sure that it's um, it doesn't feel like it has to be. It doesn't have to be contrived, but you just build those things into the routine. And also, I'm helping my kids to learn how to do dusting and vacuuming as well. Uh, it's a great <laughs> life skill and something that, that we could do together. <laughs> I love that. And we've been doing similar sorts of things at home as well and really just thinking about these as 
part of the curriculum uh, of homeschooling, so looking at these life lessons as well and getting um, our kids involved in more cooking and definitely the cleaning element as well. My son is now a dab hand with a hoover. Uh, so Pete, you mentioned about uh, resilience, this word resilience. It's a really interesting word. Um, and you described it as being the ability to bounce back. You talked about uh, working with men uh, around increasing uh, their well-being and, and, and having those conversations around good mental health. You also mentioned about the US Marine Corps and how they have um, helped, to, to, helped us to understand uh, what resilience is. And you mentioned about the different elements that we can do to support, practice and strengthen our well-being around this resilience core. So tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, like I said, the term is very problematic in particular age groups. Um, So younger people have been, you know, kind of metaphorically battered with the term for the last few years. You know, it's all about resilience. It's all about well-being. And I I think it's unfortunate there's, there's a negative connotation but what a lot of the positive psychology research shows you, you know, with the, the kind of connection with others and, and doing positive things and community and together, um, I think that that's a good way. And, and learning to fail. So, you know, if you make mistakes, that's OK. And learning from those mistakes and taking them into the next uh, time you do that. Um, one of the things that um, is is actively um useful to practice i find is a gratitude journal or some kind of journaling where you can write down briefly what's happened and then you can reflect and look back on the progress you've made even though it might have been slow and laborious or it may have been successful but it shows you've made progress it shows you move forward and it shows you've learned something from it um there's 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 kind of small things about making your bed on the morning you know little things like that and that's that's not necessarily for the kind of resilience thing but it's just sort of, okay i've made a start to the day i've got a task accomplished i made the bed and at least whatever happens today i will have a, a neatly made comfortable bed to get back into at the end and the person who talks about that is um is a, a the navy seal kind of lead general or admiral i think um who did this wonderful kind of commencement speech at, at uh, one of the u.s universities where he just gave hints and tips that came from the the Navy SEAL uh, kind of training. So, and, and for men, it's got to be practical, in my experience. It's not got to mention mental health and resilience. So it's just kind of, you know, normal. Here's some practical tips and tools for getting through the day. Uh, one thing that we found in, in the, the, the last few days on, on the chat uh, kind of forums that I'm involved in around uh, men um, is that some people have been opening up and saying, I'm finding this really hard. I'm finding this tough. And the amount of people who then join in with that kind of courageous, um, you know, I'm going to be the first to say it is, is, uh, is stunning for men who are meant to be buttoned down, you know, and don't want to talk about it and don't want to express it straight back in. But a good example of resilience is the guy who posted that a couple of days ago has come back and said, it was really good to get it out there. I spent some time with my kids and now I can, you know, I can see how it's made a difference. And if I uh, could do the same for you sometime, let me know. And, you know, just a real, a very public um, a kind of example of resilience and bounce back ability. Now, will that continue? You know, it will do if we keep up these routines and good habits and, and uh, trying to have a positive um, aspect to it. And it's not kind of a, a, a fake positive. It's, a, you know, we've, some good will come out of this and we just need to make sure that we're around to experience it and, uh, and keep going, you know. It is so important to be honest around well-being. 
I think there's this myth that other people have got it absolutely nailed, particularly those that quite, you know, enjoy looking at social media. We often see all the good glossy bits um, and it can sometimes make us feel quite inferior when we're looking at that kind of stuff. It's not always great for our well-being. And we're definitely seeing, though, I think on social media, this new honesty of people saying, actually, I am struggling here. This is a really tricky time. We're not used to it and it's hard for us. I also think, uh, you know, it's really important that we that we do help, um, particularly our young people, to understand that um, failing is okay, and actually helping them to learn to fail effectively is actually really good to build resilience. So I often talk to my ten uh, year old, um, you know, about what what did we learn out of anything that we failed with, or that we see that as being a failure. Um, and we're really interested in things like uh, psychological safety, particularly around the learning element of that, because that's where growth and development really comes from. When we can look at the areas that we didn't do so well in, but we can really think about our mental models in those spaces and actually recognise that that's okay. It's actually really good for us to not get things right all the time, because that's where the learning happens. And so we often spend time uh, with our gratitude journalings, something we love to do as well, is that we like these three uh, questions we call the learning loop. So we really like to spend time just thinking about what went really well today, what did we struggle with today, and the final question is, and what did we learn from all of that? And that's where the growth and the development happens. So really building that learning psychological safety is important for us. When it doesn't go well, that's when we really start to grow and it creates that really beautiful growth mindset that I think is really valuable for us all. Absolutely. And I think we've, we've lost that. Um, and I don't think it's just for young people. There's a, a really good old um, colleague of mine who was at Bristol University. She was actually on ITV News over the weekend because she got married early um, so she could go and rejoin. She she. Uh, left full-time GP work and was doing consulting and I've done some couple of projects with her but she's been doing a lot of work where she's identifying that we live in a very competitive culture and obviously young people are influenced by um, you know predominantly social media things but she just highlights Bake Off competitive cooking Love Island competitive relationship you know all these sorts of um, things that we all consume and all influence us whether we are younger older whatever generation it creeps into our, um, you know, and and not being allowed to make mistakes is a real issue nowadays, I think, because people jump straight on to people and say, this is outrageous. The, the term I hear a lot is, that's disgusting, which is a really emotive, powerful term. And, and if you were actually to, you know, to be in that space, which you have to get into in the kind of work we do, where you just say, what do you mean by disgusting? You know, because disgusting is it's a really powerful, negative term. And, and Sometimes it's for very trivial things. You know, someone has made a, um, an error. Someone's made a, a very basic mistake, but straight away someone says, well, that's disgusting or outrageous. And I think we need to be a bit kinder. We need to be a bit more, you know, take a deep breath. And, and actually, as you mentioned with the gratitude bit, see, actually, we're, we're actually doing okay. And there are many people who aren't doing as well as us. And, and in the coming weeks and months, we will need to build that kind of resilience as a society to to work together to collaborate and be more as a community you know um, working together our language is so powerful you know we can make people feel really amazing with the words that we use but equally we can make people feel really bad as well with our language and our words 
Um, and I've definitely seen lots of judgment happening over this period of time, particularly around social media when people have got that kind of, you know, they're, they're able to be anonymous through, through the power of social media, where they're really judging other people for the actions that they're taking. And of course, we want people to stay safe, but it's really important, I think, that we don't jump to conclusions about other people's behaviour, because what might be right for them might not necessarily be right for us. And I think we need to be really careful about the language that we use in that space and just maybe inquire a little bit more curiously and judge a little bit less. Mm. And I think, you know, if you're going to join that conversation, get ready to come up with a solution rather than just pointing out what's wrong, because that's easy. Everyone can do that. But what could you bring to it? You know, what solution focused uh, principle could you bring to to that conversation? And I think... Um, if you're, you know, if you're a leader or a manager at this time, um, you know, when you are engaging with your teams remotely and when you are uh, working with them, I think it, you've got to bear that in mind. You've got to think through with them, you know, how are they doing? What struggles are they facing? It may not be the same as yours. We're going to have lots of people who will be ill or sick in the coming weeks uh, or will be in, impacted by people who um, will sadly uh, die or be seriously unwell. So we've got to factor that, that kind of stuff in. And the only way we can do that is by having these open conversations, you know, and using that kind of language, um, to, to inquire and to find out how people are doing, um, so that, so that work can be done. You know, teams can progress and work together, but there is going to have to be perhaps that additional level of honesty and a bit, you know, making this the, the place to, to uh, come together and speak a bit more safe in order for them to do so. Yeah, definitely. And are there any other tips that you can share with us about working from home? Um, I mean, we've talked about routines. I, I mean, I think one of the things that people will need to check on is their setup at home. And um, I think what uh, I was doing a, a webinar last week with a, with a group and we were talking about rage against the machine, which is, you know, um, the bandwidth um, on your your Wi-Fi is going to be challenged now, especially with all the kids at home. So when they're on the Xbox, you're, you know, unless you've got some super fast broadband, um, that's going to be uh, an issue. So make sure that you, you may need to factor that in. Um, and I just think um, we've talked about diet. We've talked about physical health, but sleep. Sleep deprivation is one of the biggest impacts on productivity for everyone. So whether you're home-based, work-based, whatever, because we've got devices which are wonderful, powerful and transformational, but they also impact on sleep massively. And being sleep-deprived can be very similar to being drunk in terms of, you know, the judgments you make and, and your ability to, to perform. So making sure that you aren't sitting in bed at night um, pouring over social media because there's a lot of distressing stuff out there potentially and, and more to come. Trying to get those out of your bedroom and protecting your sleep space, I think, would be a very savvy thing to do. And uh, it's not easy. I, I work with a, a number of people who said it's the single most transformational thing that they've done is to put their devices out of their bedrooms, out of their sleeping spaces. But with anecdotes of I was hanging halfway out the door to send that last text or to post that last message. Um, you know, in the early stages, but it, it, it really will make a difference. And you have to sustain that so that you're not going to bed worrying about what's going on in the world. And the first thing you don't do is reach for your, your device and start straight away plugging into that feed. Um, you know, having a bit of space and protecting yourself a little bit from, from the world so that you can wake up, get up, 
start your day and then get into your your um, social media or into your emails or into your you know um, messaging that's a really great tip so Pete we've talked about these um, three different elements the routine the need to look after ourselves and making sure that we still continue to spend time together as a family ensuring that we have regular breaks that we think about creating a very clear starting and end point to our working day making sure that we eat healthily and look after ourselves in terms of our sleep and, and creating that really clear routine um, and, and building those habits around uh, making sure that that's productive for us and thinking about our well-being at the same time. We've also talked about resilience and, and the importance of understanding that the struggle actually helps build that and that when we can learn from some of those mistakes or when things don't go so well, that actually builds our mental models. Um, and we also talked about gratitude uh, journaling and the power of thinking about how, how, what we're grateful for each day um, and, how, and how good that can be in the space for increasing our mental well-being. So Pete, if we want to find out more about you, where would we do that? Uh, so you can find me at um, peakwinconsulting.co.uk. Um, I'm on Twitter at PQConsult and I'm also on LinkedIn. So if you just look up Pequin York, um, I tend to turn up in Google searches quite well. Um, so that, that's mainly where I am. I, I am on Facebook as well. Um, but I, I do, I do, um, put a lot of things out on LinkedIn. I've, I've um, been on LinkedIn a lot and, and Twitter. So those are my two primary feeds. And we'll make sure we put those links into the podcast details so that people can find you easily. So, Pete, with that, are you ready for our final round, which is planting the seeds for growth? Yeah. At the Growth Pod, we are really interested in active learning. And for us, active learning is a deeper level of learning that's activated in the workplace to change behaviours which enable growth and development. So, Pete, with that in mind, what one thing can our listeners do today to activate a piece of knowledge that you have shared with us? Okay, so I think um, the journaling bit, but in the terms of work. So if you are um, looking at what you work you've done that day, I would also just add an extra little column in there from your to-do list and just try and recognize when your energy levels are dipping, uh, just so that in the coming days you can make a note of when you're most productive um, so that you can kind of take breaks and rejuvenate yourself around that time. Um, if people wanted to contact me offline, I've also got some ideas about how you can kind of keep energized. Tea I found in China, which helps do that, but that's a little bit niche for this podcast, I would imagine. At the Growth Pod, well-being is embedded at the core of our business. So can you share with us one practice that you engage in that enhances or maintains your own well-being? Okay, so we've talked about gratitude journaling, which I do. I have to say I don't do it perfectly, and I think what all the things we've talked about today, it's not a case, you know, we've talked about the competitive element. You can't do all these things perfectly. It takes a while to develop them. Running is a big thing for me, well-being wise. Um, I, you know, I, I, and I only started running when I was 40 and I'm in my mid forties now, but, um, I, I find running very powerful, well-being wise, um, health wise, and just, it's just nice to get out and about and, and, and experience. I'm very lucky that I live quite close to lots of open spaces and the city walls in York, which, um, I get to run around. Oh, how wonderful. I love York. And finally, do you have a poem? a book or an inspiring quote that you can share with us today, Pete? Uh, well, there's a book that I've been enjoying and, and a lot of the, the blogs and um, 
kind of output from a, um, a couple of guys. They call themselves the Corporate Rebels. And if you just search for their book, it's called Corporate Rebels Make Work More Fun. Uh, and they really are good at making work fun. Um, I won't try and, yeah, well, I, I would just, you know, just put them in the Google box and find them. Um, but their website is fantastic. And if you're looking at how to communicate well in times of crisis and how to um, embed trust and why trust is so important in terms of homeworking, I mean, we haven't touched on that specifically, but um, trust is a huge element. And, and all the in-office principles about people being at their desk for a particular time to produce a certain number of tasks is not an effective way of managing people at home. And there's some really good examples of how to solve that problem. So I was talking about coming with solutions. These guys come with lots of solutions for a lot of working um, issues in, in modern day interconnected world. But there's some really good stuff around well-being, even though they don't call it well-being. Pete, I just want to say a massive thank you for joining us on today's podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you and to curiously inquire about all these wonderful ideas that you've given us about working from home during this very unique time. Thanks. And thanks for the opportunity. It's nice, as ever, to, to speak with you and kind of, you know, just uh, reflect on what we're both doing in a similar space. Um, slightly differently sometimes, but that, that's um, that's the important thing. I think it's uh, it's been really good to kind of connect recently and learn from each other on some of the projects we're working on. Uh, you'll see my shop line is um, changed through collaboration. And uh, if you can't be collaborative at this time, I think you're going to really lose out. Um, you know, no, no man is an island if you want to. <laughs> and a great quote that is. Well, once again, Pete, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks a lot, Emma. Take care. This Curious Conversation was brought to you by GrowthPod, creating positive pathways to change. For more information about how GrowthPod can support your people, leaders or organisation through training or coaching, visit our website www.growth-pod.co.uk.